KBLA Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique Dupreme. The show is called First Things First. My first thing today, my first thing every day, giving thanks, giving praises, asking for blessings from God, asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders, and getting it started. Happy Talking Point Tuesday, where we debunk, refute, and examine the things we say every day that may or may not serve us. We can tweak them, trash them, or uh, change them all together. And that's what we do around here. I think you know the formula, the roadmap. Hour one, we look local. What's going on on the left coast? In the second hour, we go national, international, and beyond. And in our third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest. And today is no exception. Well, there's a little exception here or there, but no big exceptions. You're welcome to call me right now, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Hour three will be joined by Jade Stevens and attorney Daryl Lucian talking about the 40-acre conservation league. Yes, yet another angle on uh, a form of reparation, restitution, uh, things people are doing. Of course, that is just a warm-up for our Freedman Fridays, which we're doing every Friday now to present a comprehensive conversation on reparations. Joining me in studio right now, though, journalist, producer, uh, film documentarian, and a member of the National Association of Black Journalists, he also writes for the L.A. Progressive and has his own thing, The Conversation Live James Farr, good morning. Good morning, Dominique. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You know what? I'm doing very well this morning. You know, I appreciate you always kind of keeping us up to date with the local angles in Pasadena because, you know, for those who aren't familiar with L.A., L.A. is like a collection of cities, even though we call it a city or we call it a county. It encompasses a huge area. And uh, it's hard to stay abreast of everything happening in every section. Now, Pasadena is a pretty important um, spot on the map. Absolutely. It's it's considered the uh, crown city of the San Gabriel Valley. Um, it's one of those central cities that was central to the development of this region. When you carve out cities like Santa Monica uh, and Long Beach, you have to include Pasadena right there in that conversation because of its uh, influence in the region. Yeah, I mean, it's world famous, right? Between the Rose Bowl and um, all of the many movie scenes we've seen shot there. But it's also sadly um, known for the problems with law enforcement in that area, not just Pasadena, but also Altadena. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some thorns on those roses, and you brought up the Rose Parade, right? And the Rose Bowl, which come January 1st, while folks are waking up, millions around the world, hundreds of thousands will line up along Colorado Boulevard. Uh, folks will be visiting from Alabama and Michigan, and they come to celebrate and they don't really get to see what's behind all of Pasadena. Right. It kind of has this pristine <laughs> image. And, you know, mm -hmm. some people think a lot of affluence and it's there. No doubt about it. I mean, you have Uber rich and you have in the same zip code folks that are living below the poverty line and so it, it's a very interesting dichotomy uh, Dr. Peter Dreyer uh, chairman emeritus at Occidental College writes about it being the tale of two cities mm, yeah I mean to some extent you could say that about most cities but with 
some it's more extreme than others, right? I found that when I came to LA, when I was in Beverly Hills, uh, when I first walked around Beverly Hills, just because you see the Rolls Royces everywhere and you see that extreme wealth, it's not hidden from view. And then there's unhoused people right. um, and people who clearly are housing insecure. So I think there, there are some places where it's more stark. Absolutely. And and Pasadena is one of those cities. Right. I mean, and while it may not be as, you know, some of the things we talk about are unhoused neighbors, um, it, it, it kind of has maintained, I'd like to say somewhat of a border. Right. For some reason, um, we, we have a, uh, you know, a sizable unhoused population, roughly about 600 people at the last count. And the city does do that count annually. Um, but a third of those unhoused look like you and I Dominique and so the disparity in even the unhoused and you know folks who are uh, living on our streets really is polarizing when you see that it's mostly African Americans yeah that I mean and 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 a much bigger um, black population than we usually uh, really think about when we think about Pasadena uh, we've got a James calling from Sherman Oaks for you, James. Good morning, James. You're on with James on KBLA Talk 1580. Hey. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, How you good. doing, Dominique? How you doing, Brother James? Good morning, Brother James. All right. Well, first of all, my name is Jeff Davis, not Brother James. <laughs> What's so, your name? <laughs> my name is Jeff Davis, not oh, James. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I think, uh, were you were you trying to... Uh, well, okay, no, never no, mind. He, We're not going he, down he, that path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Jeff Davis, what's on your mind? <laughs> Jeff Davis. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm a former resident of the Sherman Oaks Arcadia area, and I've known Brother James for a number of years, probably close to 30-something odd years, and I just want to commend him on the work that he's doing in Pasadena because it's something that's warranted, and we haven't really had that deep dive since we have Michael Zinzin and a few other activists that have, that have died down, and if you haven't visited the city of Pasadena, it's a great city to visit, but there's still a lot of underneath undertones of racism and prejudice and things along those lines. So I'm just going to call in and commend the brother for what he's doing. He's opening the eyes of a lot of the youth in the city to, to what we're up against. And my daughter was educated in Pasadena from middle school, actually from elementary school into high school. And um, it's just a, uh, it's, it's, it's really, really wonderful when you have someone who's really involved in the community, not only on a, um, uh, communal level, but also on a on a spiritual level too, as well. So I want to commend you, James, for doing what you're doing, and keep doing it, brother, because we need you. Even though I'm not a resident there, I still my my I here is still close to the city of Pasadena. So I just want to call and tell you, thank you, sir. Sounds like you know where the bodies are buried, Jeff Davis. <laughs> right on. Thank thank you, brother Davis, because you winning. Always win, brother. So um, yeah, thank you for that. It's always nice to have a testimonial. Get some love here on the air and yeah the you know my i hate to say it but my ongoing coverage of the city of pasadena has mostly been focused on in the um law enforcement abuse cases coming out of both the pasadena police department which is a small but notable agency and the sheriff's department which patrols neighboring Altadena. That that's definitely our intersection, right? I mean, I, I don't cover the environment. Um, I don't cover a lot of. I mean, it's a beautiful city. Don't get me wrong, and there's a lot to talk about. But you know where my agency is and how I show up, and and the things that I cover. Um, 
unfortunately, that's that's how we end up here in this conversation, right? It's discussing some of those thorns on the rose within the uh, Pasadena Police Department. Um, and, and at times they're very handy, heavy handed and in murderous ways. Yeah, and we want to get into that. There's one particular case that has really kind of garnered national attention, which is somewhat rare right now, uh, because I just feel like the press, the mainstream press, is not covering um, law enforcement abuses, killings, um, and scandals the way that they did, say, in 2020, or even in 2013, when we forced the issue um, with, with the case of, you know, Trayvon, even though... Zimmerman wasn't an actual cop. He was a wannabe. So I feel like the mainstream media has moved on. Um, But yet this particular case, um, the case of a black woman officer uh, who actually was playing that role that we always ask officers to play. Where are the good cops? Why doesn't the partner or someone else on the force intervene uh, when things are getting out, out of hand? This case, you know, maybe because she's very uh, photogenic, social media friendly, maybe because it is that rare case of an officer trying to do the right thing. I don't know why, but this case has really kind of gotten some some uh, traction, right? It, it absolutely has gotten a lot of traction, right? And I've been uh, accused of not... You know, why don't you cover good police stories, right? Where's the balance? Why are you always so critical of our police department? I've had several chiefs say that to me. And so, you know, if we're going to talk about our policing, let's let's talk about it in truth, right? The truth is on this one, here is something, here is an officer who, you know, pursuant to AB uh, 26, which was authored by Pasadena's own Chris Holden, uh, it, it appears that Officer Crutchfield felt she had a duty to intervene and de-escalate potentially what could have been a uh, what was already a messed up situation. And we talk about that later. I know you have a break coming up. But she, from what we all see on video, um, stepped into a situation and you talk about the polarization, you know, I, I, of course she's a, she's a beautiful woman, right? You know, I see black people as beautiful in general. So let's set that to the side. It's the, right. But even not in general, she's a beautiful woman. (laughs) Okay. Fair, fair enough. Right. You know, but I don't want, I don't want, I don't want the fellas lost in that. Um, I, you know, it, it really looks like this is a, because you're a black woman. And then we look at the systems that started to roll as soon as this event happened there's there's no way that what she did could have been perceived as anything but trying to de-escalate or at best a misunderstanding. Mm, yeah. Well, we'll get into the details of that story, an update of where we are now. And a little later on, we'll hear from one of the attorneys working on that case. Um, so, and you're welcome to weigh in if you've got questions, commentary, 800-920-1580, James Far is with me. I'm Dominique DePrima, and this is KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More first things first with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now, right now, we're talking with James Farr, and you've been covering. Uh, well, you've been covering a lot of stories with your work, you know, on the LA Progressive and. 
in general on the Conversation Live. You know what, before we launch into that, tell folks what the Conversation Live is actually and how they can find it. Conversation Live, first, let's start out where you can find it. It's, uh, it lives on Facebook, and there's a YouTube page, and it airs on the Arroyo channel. The Conversation Live is a... Um, talk show format where we have piercing and provocative conversations where we uh, focus those discussions on social justice, restorative justice, inclusion, and equality. I mean, I've had both DAs, several police chiefs, uh, everything from uh, a local activist on to national activists. So it kind of runs the gamut. We've, you know, I'd like to say if, if the dog couldn't piss on the use the restroom excuse me on the uh, yeah, right? at the fire hydrant because uh, he's black then that might make a story on the conversation live but you know some think or maybe I've been more known for police coverage but I mean I've done over 400 episodes in seven years and, and it has it's a lot of episodes it's a lot yeah. It is. Yeah. We won a national award uh, back in 2020 for voter education. And I'm also very involved in uh, covering local politics in Pasadena. So it's just not all uh, police coverage, although police co- there's no shortage of need to cover. Police. Right. Right. No doubt. So um, you mentioned, oh, you know what? Before we do that, let's go to Rosemary calling from Pasadena. Oh my. Hi, Rosemary. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question about the Tyson Crutchfield case. Um, And also just want to thank KBLA and James Farr for keeping the focus on these important issues. Um, But from my perspective with the Pasadena Police Department, there's been such a checkered past um, and such a questionable reputation. It seems like bringing lawsuits is the only way to usher in change. Um, and even the lawsuits haven't seemed to bring about the change that we want to see. So now we have this 27-year-old, you know, black female officer who attempts to de-escalate a situation while doing her job, um, which is what thinking people everywhere have been pressing for, <laughs> and she's placed on administrative leave. Um, yeah. You know, meanwhile, her white counterparts are caught on videotape on duty in uniform taking shots of tequila at a party this past summer, but we don't even know what their punishment is. We have this documented history here in Pasadena of unfair, unaccountable policing, and the citizens, including myself, um, we voted to sit a police oversight committee. We've received an independent auditor review, and we have a new police chief, but it's just feels so frustrating in terms of just where has this gotten us. So I'm just curious, you know, with yourself and James in this conversation, um, what you think the path forward is. I mean, people are tired, you know, activism is tough. How do we hold our heads up and be proud of our police department? Mm. Well, I mean, you could ask that in many a city, right? Right. Um, my answer is completely re- reimagining public safety. I mean, I, I, I'm not an abolitionist. I do believe that we, you know, law enforcement, although some folks say that being an abolitionist doesn't mean you're not for public safety. It just means you want it to look different. I don't know, James, what's your answer uh, to Rosemary's question? Thank you, Rosemary, for the call. I mean, I, I share that uh, we, we agree on that. I'm I'm not an abolitionist. I'm not there yet, right? And so um, 
we do have to reimagine, right? And sometimes it, it, it may be require us to be a bit whimsical, but um, we've seen the department has been under consent decree uh, over 30 years ago. There's calls for that to come back around again. Um, many in the community feel that it is going to take the Department of Justice to come in and really gut out the department. We've seen lawsuits uh, in the last few months from a, a lieutenant, Lieutenant Sammy uh, De Silva, who filed a lawsuit and alleges that there is a gang operating within the department. And we see some aspects of that kind of playing out in this Crutchfield, Crutchfield case, right? How the system kind of rallies around officers um, that it likes, right? Or that it wants to keep or that it wants to weed out, right? The system will allow itself to, um, to I don't want to say punish because we don't know yet if Crushfield has actually been punished, but it's certainly reasonable to say she was unfairly treated by being placed out on uh, a paid Isolated, yeah. right. Um, singled out, seemingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever you want to call it. Um, Rosemary, did you have a follow-up question, thought, concept? I mean, to me, it's got to be a complete overhaul, and that's not just Pasadena. Yeah, I know. I, I, I agree that and agree with that and see that nationally, and I do have friends who are abolitionists, but... Um, me too. Lots of them. Lots of them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say most of my friends are abolitionists, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But, yeah. Yeah, um, but it, it's just so frustrating, and I, I guess we have to start with where we live, and so this is where I'm from, and, you know, people live their lives, and then these terrible things happen, and it's just, it's hard. I'm a woman, and this young officer is a woman, and yet here are these men that don't seem to get punished, and it just feels all wrong. So, anyway... I think it feels all wrong, too, especially when we keep saying, where are the good cops? Where are the good cops? And on top of that, you know, I feel like I'm glad you called Rosemary. I feel like talking about it is part of it. You know, he's like, I'll talk, no action. But normalizing the fact that change has to happen, making it clear that we notice when you do these things and we're not going to let it go. It's not a one day news story. And then we look away to the next, you know, natural or unnatural disaster. That I think does make a difference because it, if nothing else, it puts pressure on electeds. We saw how much the ball moved in 2020. And even though people think those uh, gains have all gone away. They have not. They have not. Well, you know, to add on to that and to a- answer Rosemary's question, that fight really starts in Sacramento, right? It's it, We have to hold our locals accountable. But if we're looking to ratify the Peace Officer Bill of Rights. Yeah, that's true. Which codifies, you know, a lot of things that well, uh, you, you, privileges. I mean, you, when you say ratify, you're talking about ratify a change to it? Or are you talking about Ab- absolutely that eliminate? Well, I don't know if elimination, right? I, I I don't know if that is what we absolutely need. I mean, I I don't like some of the nobility afforded to officers in it. You know that they are, you know, in exchange above the law. Above, well, yeah, in pretty ex- much in exchange for you know uh, giving up some constitutional rights there. And we talked about this last year in a space of qualified immunity. Right, right? exactly. So, so well, I mean, it's like, I, I remember, it had to be at least 10 years ago, I interviewed Charlie Beck and he even admitted that, that that police officer's Bill of Rights needs to be 
considerably changed in order to bring be have the ability to even have accountability well you know it's a great read you know in that five (laughs) five or ten minutes in the morning that Uh, when you uh. when you uh wake up and freshen yourself but i I would encourage people to. i mean that's part of it for sure police chiefs serve at the pleasure of the mayor right at least in la they do not in pasadena so in pasadena our charter does not allow our council to intervene hire discipline fire uh, police chiefs, fire chiefs, and any city employee. We have a uh, management, uh, manager style of government, which means the city manager is the one that makes those hiring and firing mm, decisions. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's like Compton, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's not uncommon for yeah. smaller municipalities. Mm-hmm. But it's, well, yeah. But it means that you have, um, it means that you have, Important key figures in city government that really are not accountable directly to voters, right? That's exactly what it means. I mean, we have a part-time council, right? You know, mm-hmm. they they work, air quote, 20 hours a week. They, they don't receive a livable wage to be a council member or a mayor, which raises another issue, right? So that means only those who are solvent, right? Most of them are business owners. Right. Not, yeah, it means not only they're solvent, but you're all, you're also inviting conflicts of interest on some level because you got to hustle to make your money while you're a city council person. I, I, I've always thought that was a terrible idea. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, but I, that's a different conversation. It, I know it is. We, we digress. <laughs> um, but we're, we're uh, it's, you know, time for news, traffic and sports. Uh, Rosemary actually did a pretty interesting uh, encapsulation of this story. Um, uh, of Officer Crutcher. Crutchfield. Crutchfield, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to, you know, I want you to sort of give us Cliff's notes again when we come back with an update and why we're having a press conference uh, on Wednesday. Um, you know, where do we go from here with this case? Uh, it seems, you know, Rosemary laid it out. It's just a, another example of how change seems impossible, but it never is. KBLA Talk 1580. Happy Kwanzaa from Unapologetically Progressive KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Okay, we got to focus here, uh, James Farr. <laughs> we got a lot of material to get through. And I am happy that um, we can do that. So, okay, so we're talking about um, Pasadena police officer Taze and Crutchfield, uh, who was, uh, according to the press conference that was held on uh, the first of this month with her lawyers, um, mistreated because she was trying to de-escalate a situation in the field. There is a tape. There, There is a tape of the incident, and that incident happened in February, uh, February 20th of, of this year. Um, sometime after that, uh, Officer Crutchfield was... Uh, placed on an administrative leave for several months. Um, she's now back on patrol, um, back in the uniform, and back on the job. But um, what her attorney, Brad Gage, and he can talk a little bit more about that when he's on later on, is alleging is that Tyson has been discriminated against, has been harassed. You mentioned the isolation portion of it, um, and is being retaliated against. Um, in that press conference, her father spoke very openly and candidly about, you know, how unsettled Tyson is, how uh, bothered 
she is by this this event even had a a 37 year former uh police officer a black police officer speak out in support of tyson who was one of the uh officers that recruited her to the department and he's he described and i quote this is unprecedented to see what is happening to this young officer he has never seen that before um, so those are many of the things and um, that are happening around uh, this case. But as we said before, Tyson um, saw an officer and what she believed was pursuant to AB uh, 26. She had a duty to deescalate. Yeah. So what happens then? She's she's relieved of duty and then um, disciplined, we believe. We don't know, but we don't know. We don't. I mean, if 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 the absence of duty, but is, she, but is, she hasn't been fired. She has. She has not been fired. Um, she's she's as I said, she's returned to patrol. Um, she's working. Um, she's out there doing the job. Um, so but, she's 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 returned to patrol, which I did hear that, but I, I had the impression that she was being limited in her duties or. I guess this is a question. She's suing, but she's still working there. So I would imagine there's ongoing retaliation. According to her attorney, Mr. Gage, um, Tyson has not been provided with a copy of her personnel files and all of the investigatory documents that she should be afforded. The city has said that she has access <coughs> to files just like any other employee would have access to files. I, I think there's some discrepancy in um, what type of conditions have been placed on her. Right. We call that lying. <laughs> but okay. Um, uh, I know you're Mr. You're Mr. Buttoned up Virgo journalist. And I get that. I love that. I do talk radio. I Now it doesn't mean I just make stuff up. I also, we do evidence-based fact-based talk radio around here, but you're Mr. Dot the I cross the T got, just the, a little bit. got the police report, got the corroborated by the blah, blah, blah. And yet you're not getting, I'm surprised your um, stories are not getting picked up more by the so-called mainstream um, area. Well, first press. of all, that's why we have KBLA, right? <laughs> so we, 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 we'll, we'll take care of that because we have to tell our own stories, right? Yeah, that's And true. so whether or not mainstream jumps into this, sure, there was a, a squad of cameras, a gaggle of reporters at the last press conference, and they'll likely be that many more this next time but right. in terms of really understanding the the backstories the yeah. deep dive yeah. Yeah. the on the ground and, and moving the issue whether they give you the credit or not moving the ball right. on this issue so um officer crutchfield will continue working while bringing this case she will i'm gonna pray for her because yeah. that sounds pretty well, dangerous it, to me and i think there's certainly something there as well like how is she being supported right is she being left uncovered yeah um is she receiving backup you know because she's still on the job she can't speak i've for the record i've never met tyson crutchfield in my life well and the thing about it is this is a department with i think we said two last time two or three black women on the whole department there's there's more than that okay. but 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 i, I the well, whatever there, it there is, may, it's a small there, number. There may be less than if you exclude the chief. Thirty oh. out black officers with the department. Okay. thirty-one. I'm just saying it's not them. super hard to identify her. No, I, I don't. You I don't know, think, I don't aside think from the be. fact that she's gone viral and people have seen her face, um, she's one of a 
small number of black women in the department. Absolutely. So it seems quite perilous. Um, and, I mean, we talked about this good old boys club and the possibility of an actual gang, whether it's called the good old boys club or whatever it's called. Um, you know, how... I guess how do you even push back from that? I know that de- you know. I know that the department is denying all of this. Well, they're they're pretty buttoned up, right? But you know, my sources say a different thing. Um, my sources say that this is a system that was triggered, as we talked about a little bit earlier, yeah. to to protect the organism. So right. whether or not Chief Harris was aware of this from the onset, he's certainly months into it. He was abreast of what was going on but the 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 wheels were already in motion this officer should have never at best it should have been some training so so i mean where is everyone else that's speaking out on this is it you know will we have more whistleblowers could there be more people stepping forward i know uh, ben crump is coming to town i think it's tomorrow ben crump. to do a press conference ben crump is can you coming. tell me what they're talking about i can't tell you what they're talking about but mr crump and uh mr gage can certainly uh yeah, anna- well, we'll be hearing from mr gage uh, 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 announce that but according to uh, a, a video release yesterday on bradley gage's uh instagram that uh, he has reason to believe and is expecting that another officer will come forward with similar allegations as well as um, an assault that happened. And so an will, assault inside the department, inside the department. And so will there be a now third, fourth, possibly fifth or even more? Mr. Gage alluded to that also last week in his press conference that several. Right. You know, over a dozen um are coming forward, right? So it's 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 all kind of unfolding. Um, this isn't shouldn't be a shock to people, right? It sh- it shouldn't be a surprise um, that our department is is a microcosm of the greater problem within systemic structures, where you know within policing, you know, white men make up sixty percent of law enforcement. Yeah. It, it you know it's starting to look a little different but it's still that's those are still the numbers right it, it is it is yeah. and you know when you talk about a source you know just the other day told me that you know the morale inside of the department is more divided than ever and that it's really bad and under this current chief that we have see when he started just over a year ago he had a new clean slate the things that some of the things that we're learning about happened before he got here but under this administration according to my source several more lawsuits are going to come forward officers are and they're not all black they're not you know they're they're, it's it's a cadre of folks that are tired of this type of systems um that are that are in place if more come forward how does that change the game for um Officer Crutchfield. I don't know. You know, that's a question for her attorney. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that I I, I don't think, you know, it will harm her case in any way. Right. I mean, I think I think it's more we we see the Silva's lawsuit, which lays out one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. We we kind of and I won't call it the genesis of this, but the 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 case that attorney Carrie Harper filed on behalf of the uh, children and and mother of uh, Charles uh, Charles Towns, right? Not the mother of Charles Towns, but his children's mother from the incident back on February 20th that, 
you know, in some respects brought a lot of this to light. She was here on your show and she talked about it. Um, and so what I believe, you know, this officer Crutchfield was very courageous. She was very brave. Um, perhaps it may encourage others to come, but this, this five, five, 27 year old black woman stood up as a giant and says, she's not going to stand for this treatment. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you sue, you take legal action against the department where you still work. I wonder, and I, you're, I know you're going to say this is a question for her attorney, but I wonder what the best case scenario is there for an outcome. You know, that is a question for her attorney. But I think the best the best outcome, um, let's set Crutchfield to the side, right? Um, most of our officers, you know, and, and she's the exception. You know, she has very strong family ties. I remember when she was introduced to the city council and the mayor had a spontaneous reaction to her last name, Crutchfield. Crutchfield, wait, is your dad Tony? She said, yes, sir. I know your dad. You know, basically, we were Sandlot buddies. We grew up together. So Pasadena is this very tribalistic community. It's very small. So if we focus on what is the win for the community, the win for the community is that we get a transparent department. We have a department that is fully exposed, scars and all, right? It's like we know that these thorns are on the roads because we've seen too many of our community members snagged by them, right? So the win for the community is that the department changes its way of policing. Mm. Yeah, um, I want to talk about how this all plays out. You mentioned the Rose Bowl uh, coming up, how that all plays out, and uh, where, you know, where we go from here. Um, I feel like we've been talking about Pasadena, not just Pasadena, but that's what you're here to cover for years. And I, all I see is a, another police chief and then another police chief and then another police chief. Don't know that I've seen real change. Certainly it's going to come up in the assembly race, I would imagine. Well, Miles is an Eagles fan, right? Yeah. And so, so, so are some of our department members. But, you know, that old running uh, trope of uh, the NFL stands for not for long. That's kind of how we look. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we look at. You know, police chiefs and city managers and that yeah. their their job really it, there's this culture there where they are there to manage folks in the northwest. You black people. Right. Yeah. Well, um, you're welcome to call in 800-920-1580. James Farr is my guest. Taking a look at Pasadena, California, famous city, unapologetically progressive lens right here. It's KBLA Talk 1580. Out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate meets a scholarly match. And today the scholarly match is James Farr of The Conversation Live. That's his platform. Amazingly, 400 episodes so far. You can see it on YouTube. Um, and you can find him on all the socials. You can find us on all the socials. You're at the Convo Live, except on Instagram, it's James Far Live, I think. As, well, there's a Conversation Live Instagram page, and there's oh. a James Far Live Instagram page, and there's a James Far Live Twitter page. All of those things are, are, are tools, right, that I don't like using, but <laughs> we well, have to, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. And we're in all those places at KBLA 1580. I'm there at DePrima Radio, D I P R I M A. I know y'all like to call me Dupree, Dupree Radio, and um, yeah, 
Like, subscribe, follow, comment. Dr. Rosie Milligan is on the line. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Dominique. I am really, uh, I'm enjoying the show. Uh, and I was just thinking about Pasadena. That's one of the reasons we certainly are going to miss Attorney Joe Hopkins with his Pasadena journal, because he was one who always spoke out about the police or whatever. But I want to say at seven, eight years of age, I am, you know, I'm just wondering, Dominique, just how long will we fight the same battle that our great-grandfather fought in this country? It's the culture and philosophy of the police department, and it's not going to change unless something radical is going to have to take place. I think it's important that uh, there's a regional uh, meeting throughout the United States for black folks to come together and really look at what must be done beyond putting out the fire and then going back waiting for another fire. This has to to change these uh, strategic movements. And anytime you're in a place where the same people is controlling everything and, and, and we are not there, you know, it's not enough of our people, and everybody saying, "Well, blacks don't want to be in the police force." Then we have to look at why, why, why do they not want to do that? But as long as we're, you know, playing cards with the same deck, nothing's going to change. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we are seeing um, incremental change, but I think you're right to to make the kind of sweeping. A reimagining that's needed it it doesn't seem to be happening uh with within sort of the official structures absolutely doc uh dr rosie thank you so much and yes uh rest in power to uh the luminary right you know uh joe hopkins and uh his stewardship of the uh, pasadena journal which kept us informed so uh, sister rosie uh, what i can offer you is that some of us are standing in the gap um, some of us will continue to speak truth to power. Some of us have been lectured, mentored, and chastised by Mr. Hopkins. And so we are going to do, at least I'm going to do my best to show up um, in, in his honor and his legacy. But uh, we need a change. And you're right. We are playing with the same deck of cards, right? And they just shuffle them. And uh, folks, unfortunately, react. I talked about earlier that advocacy has to begin in Sacramento. We have to ratify and change these laws which codify peace officers' rights, laws, and et cetera. So uh, pay attention. We're in promise season. It's election season coming up. There's state senate uh, uh, elections. There's state assembly elections. Um, and you need to pay attention to those as well as the judges. Yeah, um, it's a good point. Um, Dr. Rosie, did you want to... Uh, do a follow-up? Yeah, they're not going to change unless we force them to change. We can't sit on the outside and hoping that they will. <laughs> and Dominique, what happened? I mean, we can't I know you're right. It's just the way you say it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah get, get away from the wishing well, I wish, okay, and dive in. <laughs> and well, ooh, do- Dr. Rosie, I will stand yeah. shoulder to shoulder with you because, you know, I don't call people out anymore. I call them in. So, I'm, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to say that. And, and I know, I, because I, I, I'm very familiar with your work, I know who you are, right? You, you are 
the example. Dominique is the example. We can think of doctor. I mean, we can name on and on of folks that's doing the work. We need you, some of you other folks, to come out the bleachers, get in the game. Uh, but I just, that was, I, that might have to be my quote today uh, for the day, Dr. Milligan. She said, get away from the wishing well. <laughs> <And dive in. laughs> I love that. And dive in. Great to hear from you, Rosie Milligan. Can I make one other comment? Absolutely. Y'all to do things. Because see, those who, we're looking at the, at the uh, Caucasian that's in the police department. And the other who come in, they become Caucasian clones. That's why we're kind of isolated. But let me tell you, we have to pay attention. Just the other day, I went to a construction site, okay? And I wanted to know how many black folks were working. Okay, and they told me none. You know what I told you? you got 15 days. I don't care if a black person is holding up a sign. We're going to shut this down. I'm tired of people sitting at the wishing well, at the altar praying. God, oh, I ain't going to cuss. Thank you. Get up <laughs> and do something. Yeah, do absolutely. Something. Thank Enjoy you. The show, but we got to We got to do it. We got to make it happen. Thank you so much, Dr. Milligan. It's great to hear from you. Uh, time flies when you're on the radio. What do we need to know, James Farr? What, are, what do we need to be tracking here? Tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the Pasadena Police Department headquarters, Attorney uh, Benjamin Crump and Bradley Gage, as well as other officers, uh, community activists will be present. And, you know, these activists and even people like me in the media are usually, you know, typecast into not being uh, or, or supporting a police officer. And so there's a press conference tomorrow where there will be updates in this case. Uh, Attorney Gage can talk about that a little bit uh, later in the next hour. Um, track this case. Share this information. Uh, follow the L.A. Progressive. You can follow my writing. Make sure you're following KBLA, following Dominique, as she said. And uh, let us know that you're listening. And, you know, when we're out there in the street, say hello. Right. We get a, we get a lot of frowns sometimes, but it's OK to smile. Yeah. And uh, and and it's also like a sign of solidarity. I know, you know, for you, especially being in such a small market um, within a big market. I don't identify as small. Well, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm talking about the city. Yes, yes, yes. You know, but even though Pasadena is part of a big market, it's, yes. a, it's like a small town in a way. I know that's a lot of exposure for you and your family, you know, just constantly um, reporting the facts. So I think that, you know, folks give James a pat on the back or a, a, some, a sense of solidarity. I think that is one thing that Black Lives Matter says that applies to us journalists. We keep us safe. We keep us safe. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one more time where we find you and what time is the press conference and all that good James, stuff. James Far Live on uh, socials, Conversation Live on socials. Uh, tomorrow, 11 a.m., Pasadena Police Department Attorney Ben Crump the uh, black attorney general and uh, Mr. Bradley Gage, who represent Tyson Crutchfield, will be holding a press conference with some pretty shocking updates. Yeah, looking forward to hearing so that. So come on out, folks. Anyone can come, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah. a be, it's outside on the steps. Big old press conference. Stuff to be learned for sure. And it's always good to see um, the KBLA delegation in the crowd whenever things like that come up. It's a talking point Tuesday, and we can stop uh, saying, um, you know, there are no good cops. We can stop that. Um, it's the system. It's not whether we have good apples or bad apples. The question is, 
what is the system doing and how is it supporting certain behavior and suppressing others? Looking forward to talking with Attorney Gage when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.